everyone, and welcome to Listeners Beware, a podcast about all things Goosebumps. My name is Gary. And I'm Ashley. And uh, today we are talking about book number three. Monster Blood. The description of the book is blood, blood everywhere. While staying with his weird great Aunt Catherine, Evan visits a funky old toy store and buys a dusty can of Monster Blood. It's fun to play with at first, and Evan's dog Trigger likes it so much, he eats some. But then, Evan notices something weird about the green slimy stuff. It seems to be growing, and growing, and growing. And all that growing has given the monster blood a monstrous appetite, dot, dot, dot. You did that so well. I feel like you should do this professionally. <laughs> Thank I was you. invested. I was leaning into it. I've read this. I've watched it. And yet here I am like, ooh, what comes <laughs> next, Gary? <laughs> Hold on. I'll tell you. Um, uh, <laughs> so Monster Blood, how, how, uh, what's your history with this one? Okay. So I read it when it originally came out. So to your point, it was end of 92 when they released this, I think, or towards the end, I think it was September 1992. And so I read this as a kid. It was in the library. We had a ton of Goosebumps books. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I'm usually a textural person, probably because of this book. I'm not into the ooey gooey slimy, but uh, it was a fun book. It was fun. It, it deviates a little bit from the others, right? Yeah. So far, we've had living dead people, not zombies, but zombies. Shadow <laughs> We've had plant people. Yep. And now we've got slimy monsters and I'm here for it. I love it. He's got a different tone, a different creature in each one. So granted we're only three in, but we've got variety, right? We do. We do. And I, I feel like, you know, this early nineties was, uh, all the rage for sticky stuff. Neon yeah, and sticky, right? Neon and sticky, uh, a, a, a particular shade of green, if you will. And, and, you know, no, no doubt tied to the whole Nickelodeon craze and ooze and, and, uh, the slime shampoo and everything that they tried to market based off of double dare and things of that nature. And I feel like this book is probably a direct affect of that. I mean, we're still in the realm of 11, 12 year olds and mm -hmm. kids love slime. Like oh. no matter what age, adults love slime, but like that's never gotten old. And right. that even did the stay like there's you go into the mall and they have slime stores literally where you go in and make slime in KitchenAid machines. Yeah. It's a thing. Uh, so not a surprise. We'd have a book about a monster made of ooey gooey slime that, you know, appeals to children because what are the properties of the slime? Like it's super fast. It bounces high. It bounces off the walls and floor and ceilings and everywhere. And it grows. And it so, glows, I think at times. And yes, 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 yes. It glows. It glows too. So like who doesn't want glows, grows and bounces everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is the first book in his set of stories that actually has a male protagonist, um, right? True. Because previously we've had two, I think they're 12 year old girls. Mm -hmm. um, and now we have a 12 year old Evan. So still in the same age range. Right. And now it's told from the perspective of Evan. Yes. Uh, no siblings in this one, but mm -mm. we're visited by a dog yet again. RL must have had a really big love for dogs. I'm guessing so. Because um, we do have Trigger. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I kind of see that as the, sib the sibling to Evan. It's true. It's true. Much less sassy than maybe the 
siblings in previous stories, but. I mean, we get Andy and I feel like she serves kind of that, you know, that role of a sibling. You've got the female perspective because I think RL kind of tries to balance that out, right? Having right. boys and girls so that the demographic is relatable to whoever picks up the book. Mm-hmm. And so we have Andy, Andrea, but she wants to be called Andy. And, <laughs> and she's sassy. Andrea mm-hmm. is sassy and she's spunky and she's not to be messed with. I like her. So. Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, we get our first intro to a cat uh, in, in a Goosebumps story. Um, great Aunt Catherine. Uh, how great is she? Uh, Aunt Catherine's cat, <laughs> Sarah Beth. Can we pause for a moment on Catherine? Because that is just like, this is where I do think RO really does like channel kids <laughs> in a way that like adults really don't. Because the way he describes Catherine really is from the perspective of a kid. She's written weird and eccentric mm-hmm. and scary. And that's how we view most adults when we're that age. But she's extra. Like oh, she's yeah. extra in that world of extra eccentric, like capital E. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I still feel like I had maybe a, a great aunt or someone who was like her. And so it felt, <laughs> it felt familiar. No, oh. you, you had one of those, did you? <laughs> maybe not to such an extreme, but uh, it felt, it, it still, I don't know. It, it resonated with me. I'll just put it that way. I just, as an adult, you don't question it as a kid. And we've talked about this before, reading it as an adult versus reading it as a kid. As an adult reading it, I'm just like, those parents really left him (laughs) with her. (laughs) Dad should know better. Really? And even he was like, yeah, she's weird, but she's nice. Yeah, she's kind of kooky, but, you know, whatever, it's fine. And it's just like, yeah, you're just going to leave your kid with this lady that he barely knows for few weeks mm-hmm. and that's how we're going to roll. And she, she's going to leave him mostly unmonitored, right? Like let's not be confused. This whole monster blood thing happened, not because she was deaf, but because she just leaves him alone all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> also side note, if you haven't read the book, she's deaf, which is kind of an interesting uh, addition to the story. Yeah, absolutely. Because even when he's doing stuff right you know, behind her back or while she's downstairs, she can't hear him. Mm -hmm. And so he's still able to get away with certain things and the drama and trauma can kind of occur. Like, wow, how does she not hear him being sucked into a tub with slime? Oh yeah. She's, she can't hear. Right. Um, But even that aside, she's just gone all the time as is. Um, He's just really left on his own. Mm Mm-hmm. She hates the dog. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, with hindsight, right? You get to the end and you understand what's been going on. You're like, oh, we see why she made the dog stay outside the entire time because the cat hates the dog. Right. (laughs) Not because Catherine hates the dog, because the cat hates the dog. And so it's uh, it's interesting, but you feel bad for Trigger. He's just kept in this pen this whole time. (laughs) Evan doesn't care about him really. Catherine doesn't care about him. So he goes on his big adventure to eat some bullies. Mm -hmm. But that's me fast 40. Oh, yeah. His really big adventure. (laughs) Plenty. So speaking of fast 40, we're jumping ahead. We're talking about the book. But Uh when we left off last time, we said we were going to watch it first Uh and read it second. That's right. That's right. So 
watching Monster Blood, <laughs> both episodes. Mm -hmm. The first one, you know, having not read it first, but just watching it, it's like, okay, it's fine. It felt rushed. Not enough time to build up a lot of story, but it got it done. Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah Beth, in terms of her acting, I was dying. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Like, I get it. You were the cat plot, you know, spoiler alert, Sarah Beth the witch, and she's hiding in a cat body. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. So she's literally, like, scratching her hair and, like, massaging her ear, licking her hand and, like, hissing at the dog as a human. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, we got it. You were the cat. <laughs> I love that you're dedicated to the role, but it's really hard to take you seriously as an evil witch when you're still pawing at your head and right. like these invisible fleas. It's a, <laughs> they're the worst kind, by the way. <laughs> and she's actually a good actress. I've seen her in other stuffs, yeah. uh, stuff, stuffs. stuffs. I've seen her in other things and she's, she's decent. I just wonder who the hell gave her that direction because it was, it was madness. Um, <laughs> It's so hard to take it seriously as a scary, you mm -hmm. know, Goosebumps episode when this lady's pawing at her head and you have yeah. this like animated glump of goo bouncing behind her and this big, big, big superimposed dog looking through the window barking at her. I'm like, this is just pure comedy. <laughs> like, this isn't even, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even think this, I don't even know what to say other than I'm laughing really hard at this entire setup. <laughs> It's fair. I, I think I think you had the appropriate response to everything that went down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just felt like it was too much for what Monster Blood is. It was this, it felt like a very, 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 very short film where a lot of stuff was pulled away. Even mm -hmm. if I hadn't read the book, I'm like, this is a very simple story. Right. Um, it's yeah, happening way too fast. They don't even find the monster blood at a toy store in, in the episode. They f instead find it in Catherine's cabinet. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, like there's so much that is, <sighs> if you're going to redo the story, right, you're going to take, make a loose interpretation of the story and make your own episode. Fine. Right. But, I feel like it could have been stronger. Like the fact that it's like stay out of this room and stay out of this cabinet, but leaves all of it unlocked <laughs> and then takes off for the day. It's mm -hmm. like, uh, what? And so <laughs> that was weird. I get what they were doing. Like she can't hear anything because she's constantly playing loud music and like being, you know, a composer in her own conducting in her living room. So she can't hear them. But it's like, why didn't they just keep her deaf? <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. Yeah. So as a standalone watching the episode, I'm like, okay, they had fun with it. The kids sold it. They had, you know, a good little rapport going. So fine. Mm -hmm. But it's still, even without the knowing the story, which I tried not to, you know, remember what I had read a long time ago. Yeah. It's like, this still just feels really rushed and simple. And I, think I like gonna... the second one better. Yeah, I did too. I think we're going to run into that a lot though. Because maybe probably the episodes that aren't based on books will wind up being the best ones because they have more like carte blanche to tell the story that they want to tell. 
I mean, they changed the story so much as is from I, the book. I feel like they should have just ran with that. Like yeah. completely just if you're going to get away from it and deviate from the story, just go in. But be committed to what you are deviating to. So like the second one, not having the book, they were able to have fun with the idea of the monster blood, right? Right. Like, oh, no, it's taking over the whole play. Can we talk about how terrifying that is? <laughs> Now, that's actually scary. Mm -hmm. You have this thing that's growing and growing and growing and eating people and you're 30,000 feet in the air. And it's just like, what's going to happen? <laughs> this is this is like a mixture of of the blob and Twilight Zone and, and all these, you know, other things. It's it it gave me so many good vibes watching the second part of this more monster blood, as they called it. Yeah, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And I loved that, you know, in the first one, they didn't have the bullies. They took away the the characters of the Bamer brothers. and yeah. But then you see a bully character introduced in the airplane one. And I'm like, okay, maybe they borrowed that a bit. But it was fun. Mm -hmm. You know, three characters. You still have the one protagonist that ties them together. But it's um, now they're more so working together. And. I don't know. I really liked the second one better. <laughs> I did too, actually. And it's funny because I remember, I remember back in the nineties watching the first part of this show. I don't have a lot of specific memories of watching the show because most of them I, I never saw, but I do remember watching monster blood and getting to that cliffhanger and not seeing the second part until now. So that was kind of a, uh, a weird closure. I didn't know I needed. Yeah. And it was just like the kid they chose. Let's like, he's a good actor. He mm -hmm. did a decent job. Yeah. And so having him tie it together and be in the second episode, they, they chose just a fun cast. The lady who played the flight attendant did a great job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt her pain of trying to keep these kids like <laughs> contained. Um, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just felt like it was a fun one. And they still left you on a cliffhanger at the end of this one, which I enjoyed. Yeah, they did. They did. It was very well done. Um, well, I mean, I loosely, loosely put, it was well done. <laughs> it's not winning <laughs> well, any awards. I mean, okay. For being a kid's show in the 90s, that was a decent episode. The one in the airplane. I thought it was a good build up. It's short, right? But mm -hmm. they were able to create a moment in time that that worked. And yep. that's what I like. I think maybe that's where I have a harder time with the first one digesting it. <laughs> Pun intended because Trigger eats it. Um, that's where I have a harder time digesting it is I think they try to build up the world too much. Yeah. But then they simplify things in a way that it kind of count is counterproductive to the buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, or as with this one, it's like, well, we already know what monster blood is. We know what it does. So this is just a moment in time within that world. And it worked. Yeah. It was a solid, complete moment from beginning to end. I agree. This may be my favorite episode to date. So to, to out of three. take that for four. what it's worth. Out of four. <laughs> I'm with you though. I agree. Monster, mm -hmm. more monster blood, oh. I think was my favorite too. Um, yeah. And there is a terror, what they created. There is a terror about being stuck in a plane with something that's actively eating people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen snakes on a plane. 
No, it was fun how they beat the monster blood on this one because oh, yeah. we can all relate. <laughs> yeah, feed it airplane food. They're like, airplane food makes everybody sick, including monster blood. <laughs> that was funny. That was pretty good. And how oblivious the captain is to everything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like this whole thing's going down. His flight attendants have been gone for probably hours and he doesn't even know. He's like, guys, we're going to be descending. Put your seatbelts on. And it's just like, what? I mean, the physics of that don't even make sense. You have to assume that if all those people suddenly disappeared from the from the flight, it would handle differently, right? Maybe he's having a good old time. He doesn't even notice. <laughs> he's just drinking. He's just the probably. worst pilot. In the 90s, that was probably a thing, drinking it's, whiskey on the rocks while the plane autopilots. <laughs> <laughs> cigarettes, cigar. Hey, guys, playing poker and dominoes. Oh, like time it. to descend. <laughs> He's so oblivious. But yeah, I thought that was a fun one. Yeah, yeah. So with that said, back to the book. Having watched it first and then read the book later, how do you feel? Like, what do you think makes the book stronger? The runtime? I mean, that's not the right word, but the, <laughs> the, the fact that they could, I mean, tell more of a story in the however many pages the book was versus the tight 22-minute Runtime. I also like the idea of getting it from the toy store more than just having it in a unlocked cabinet. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think the toy store makes it creepier because mm -hmm. then you have the element of this antique shop and the spooky toy store owner. And then suddenly the next day when they're trying to give it back, he's gone and the store is closed down. And oh, <laughs> no, like, yes, that adds more spookiness because I think multiple R.L. Stein books have a spooky shop where they get stuff from. Right. And it just, as a kid, that's part of the fun, right? Going somewhere spooky where there's cobwebs and dust and <laughs> ooh, the creepy store owner and everybody relates to that like creepiness. Mm -hmm. And so yep. it does add more to the tension of the book when they take them to the shop versus, ooh, it's in her unlocked bedroom cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, plus, I mean, I feel like Toy Store just fits the theme so much better. It's it's a it's clearly a, a well, what could be assumed presumed to be a toy, and uh, you know, it, it. I don't know. I just want to talk about Wagner's novelties and sundries, cause to me, it feels like a place that seems familiar. You know, cause growing up as a kid, there there were those kind of creepy little shops all over the place. And maybe it says more about where I grew up, but I, I, I think that that's just a fun little detail. And also I can't get enough of the word sundries. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> sundries is a fun word. Novelties and sundries. <laughs> There's still shops like that. And I'll even admit as an adult, I see those and I have to go in and wear them around. And I think the kid inside of me is still like, Ooh, what's haunted? What's going to be, you know, what's going to come alive? Monster blood. And mm -hmm. it's fun. It's yeah. fun to roam around those stores and see things of the past, novelties, covered yes. in dust, like what's carrying like a curse. I it's, don't know. It's just such a fun plot device. It's it's descriptive and yeah. it's uh it's it's enjoyable. I completely agree with you. And the fact that you have a creepy shop owner. Mm-hmm. Mr. Because it'd be different if it was just some like 13 year old, right? Or not 13, <laughs> but like some 17 year old, like, yeah, I'm here on my 
you know, summer vacation selling yeah. stuff. No, it's got to be the creepy shop owner. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what adds to the element of suspense is that he won't sell it to them to begin with. Right. Like he's refusing and trying to get them to buy something different. Mm-hmm. And finally he's like, okay, $2, but no refunds. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Is it reverse psychology he's trying to get them to buy it? Or was he really trying to keep it out of their hands? Oh, I think it's reverse psychology. You tell a kid they can't buy something, they're going to want it more. Yeah. At least that's and he's like, they're probably thinking it's like 50 cents. And he's like, $2. <laughs> oh, man. I got to get eight more quarters? <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know. I liked that. I, I feel like, like to your point, 20 minutes of a show versus 128 pages or something like that of a book, you mm-hmm. definitely get more time to play in that world. And yeah. the store experience alone, that that chapter alone, it just is good fun, good mm-hmm. creepy tension fun. Yes, I agree. Now, what I also like is that Catherine recognized the monster blood right away. <laughs> Yeah. Creep, creepy, crazy, eccentric aunt who makes zero sense, like whispers, be careful. Like if that <laughs> happened, wouldn't you as a kid take that really seriously? Because she's been crazy. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she's just like snapped to her senses and she's like, hey, be careful. Okay. And then back to her crazy self. I would pay attention to that warning more so than, you know. Mm. Well, apparently maybe 12 year old me may not have. But I'm, I'm trying to put myself in 12 year old Gary mind. Would I have paid more attention or would I have been like, clearly she doesn't want me to have fun. (laughs) 12 year old me was really into like horror and reading about like Egyptian lore and stuff like that. So I probably would have taken it very seriously and be like, it's possessed. Yeah. I was fresh out of Egyptian lore as a 12 year old. So (laughs) that, 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 I was a weird kid. No, no, no. I'm not. That would, that would definitely put uh, some thought into the situation or some concern. Yeah. I mean, I, I watch a lot of scary movies, which gets me into trouble these days because it's <laughs> like my imagination goes into overdrive. Right. But in that is- instance, I probably would have listened to her and I'd be like, you take it. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> Here, Aunt Catherine, you can have it. Three dollars. <laughs> three Tur- three Turn a profit. <laughs> three dollars, whatever. I'd be like, five dollars, Aunt Catherine. <laughs> I do feel like there was a plot, not a plot hole, but there was like a thread left dangling in the TV show that didn't occur in the book, I don't think. Um, When she makes them cookies and she's trying to make them eat these weird cookies and is acting all evil ominous about it. Oh, yeah. They eat the cookies. And the, there was like, if you notice, there was a lot of emphasis in the like the sound and the shot setup that like we're supposed to be paying attention to this weird moment. And he actually eats the cookie. Nothing mm-hmm. comes of that. Hmm. And I was just like, I feel like that was a thing. <laughs> but might have been. they left it dangling. Yeah, I left it on the cutting room floor. An extra yeah. two minutes of story time. Uh, I don't know. It. I really, I really wish that I could talk to someone who was a part of the creative team um, for these episodes just to be like, so what was left on the cutting room floor? Like, what, what did you plan for? And then you had to backtrack and then just put it in a closet. You know, like it's, I mean, was there more to the story initially and then you had to change it for sensors or for runtime or, you know, 
What's the deal? Yeah, someone cookie cut that episode. So, um, oh. oh, see what I did there? <laughs> I wish they had not cut the trigger emphasis because in the book, mm-hmm. trigger was a very important part of the book. Yeah. As a kid, 12 year old whose dog is doubling in size, he is distressed. Like he takes the dog to the vet. Mm-hmm. Um, it showed more love for trigger. It showed the importance of trigger so that when trigger comes to save the day, like it's a big thing. Right. Yeah. And that was completely just like gone mm-hmm. in the TV episode triggers there one moment and gone the next with a big footprint. And then they seem to just forget it. Like, Oh, <laughs> okay. He's fine. We'll get, we'll find him later. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> he didn't care about his dog, no. which wasn't Evan. That mm. wasn't his character. Like in the book, he loved his dog. Yeah. He was, Mad that he put it had to put his dog outside. He was stressed when he was worried about Trigger and taking him to the vet and calling his mom. And Trigger was like his his buddy. And the mm-hmm. fact that in the TV episode he's just like, ah, screw Trigger. <laughs> he's off on his big adventure. Bye, Trigger. Like, I don't know. They should have done better by Evan and Trigger. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I do have to say that that's one of the worst vets I've ever uh heard of <laughs> like if you take your if you take your pet to a vet and it's doubled in size and it's like 14 years old or whatever he said it's like hmm i don't know i would throw a little more caution so playing devil's advocate he yeah. got all of sugar's blood work blood work back and he was fine he was healthy true i would think as a vet when a 12 year old comes and says my dog is doubled in size you're probably gonna think the kid's embellishing a little bit or exaggerating right and it's, so it's just like, oh, yeah, doubled, huh? And so <laughs> I, I think maybe as an adult, it was just one of those examples of adults not listening to kids and thinking kids are exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. And it does work that he he did not see Trigger previously, so he doesn't realize how much he's grown. But it, it's yeah. strange because you would think as he's looking through the blood work, you'd be like, mm, cholesterol levels are good. Um, That's good. Monster blood. Why is that checked? I don't know. <laughs> Monster blood. <laughs> But maybe the monster blood affected the DNA and not it's the blood. Per, ah, intriguing. And they're not doing cellular level testing. So That's this true. is blood work, man. They're like, That's trigger, true. you're not fat. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they checked the DNA on that. <laughs> I, so then was it me or did anybody else secretly hope that trigger was going to eat the bullies? <laughs> No, I was, I was disappointed when he did not. I was hoping like they, they led you to think that I know that was intentional to make you think that trigger ate the bullies, but then he didn't. But I'm like, I kind of wish he had, mm-hmm. cause this is the first book where actual bullying is introduced That's and true. we're not talking light bullying. Like they actually beat him up physically, mm-hmm. punching him and mm-hmm. hurting him in Andy's yard. Right. And that was kind of sad. That mm-hmm. moment when that happens, I was just like, I was, wow, we're no longer in silly, fun, slimy, oozy, you know, monster bloodland. Like this is a real moment where mm-hmm. this kid got beat to a pulp and they're describing the pain that he felt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this just got real RL. <laughs> <laughs> I was yep. kind of wonder if he was writing from experience, but. Um, I mean, possibly. It was brutal. It was brutal. Bullying was huge in the 90s. 
Yeah, you know, I feel like with this one, because it is such a silly, fun premise, and this is supposed to be Goosebumps with a little bit of terror, Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that his terror didn't necessarily come from the ooze component, the monster blood component. It came from the real life component. I like that. Yeah, right? Like, he did a twist. He's like, you're not scared of my monster, but mm-hmm. here is something scary. Right. Because he, it wasn't little bullying. Like, they they shoved Andy off her bike, and she actually got hurt, and they stole her bike. They beat him to a pulp on Andy's mm-hmm. yard. Those are very real scary things. Mm-hmm. And so I did find that interesting that for RL in the book – I don't know if that was his intention. I kind of have to believe it was that he knew it was goofy Mm -hmm. and silly enough that there did need to be some component that did make it scary. And isn't the real stuff oftentimes scarier? Like reality is oftentimes scarier. So, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we go to media, we go to, to things of this nature for levity. And, uh, and, and this book is, is I'd say 90% levity, 10% like, whoa, exactly it kind of it kind of hits where it needs to i like whoa (laughs) it's a technical it is and like you said it hits where it needs to so you did have your creepy aspects with the wagner sundries novelties and sundries Mm, but then you have your reality of this is scary yeah this is scary he is being bullied this is scary that they are being terrorized by these two twins that are out being awful little Mm -hmm human beings but then we have him almost being sucked into the monster blood in the tub which i thought was great i love that they kept that in the tv episode because that scene is creepy fun it's all good creepy fun like is it gonna eat him up so that was fun glad Mm -hmm. they kept that i wish they kept the scene with the monster blood coming down the driveway and bumping down the (laughs) you know (laughs) the street to eat the bully yeah and coming after Catherine, I'm sure that would have taken a lot more uh, animation in right. Photoshop. But and let's be honest, what they had wasn't great in the first place, so it would have probably looked pretty bad. I don't think the monster blood was that bad. I mean, obviously it looked fake, especially coming from a 2023 lens. But yeah. was it the worst? Nah, it's no. it's better than some of the other ones we saw in the previous episodes. This like, is true. In terms of effects, special effects, uh, digital effects. Yes. But yeah, I think that uh, definitely preferred the book over <laughs> over the TV <laughs> episode. Although I did enjoy TV, the part two, the more monster blood episode. So yeah, this is this is going to be a weird one to rate because I I liked the book more than the first episode, but I think I liked the second episode more than the book, which is. Um, I don't, I don't know how to hold up. You like the second episode more than the book. I think so. I I was, I was, I liked the book, but I was a little, I was the, the least impressed by this one of, of all three so far. Yeah. If I had to rate books up like from just the first three that we've done so far, this is definitely not, you know, my top. Yeah. And it's funny that this became the, like, uh, the series for goosebumps, you know, there's, I mean, there's four 
uh, numerically named Monster Blood books. And then there's even more beyond that. Yeah. How many? There's like Monster Blood 7 and all sorts of stuff, right? There are six books in total. Monster Blood 1, 2, 3, 4, Monster Blood for Breakfast, and Monster Blood is back. So it's been a very long running uh, part of the Goosebumps series. And it's made cameos in some of the other Goosebump books. Right. So that's interesting. Like the creature itself has, or the monster, would you call it a creature? Let's just, let's yeah. dive into that for a moment. Is monster blood a creature? Is it like a sentient thing? Uh, I mean, it seems to be, it seems to know what it's doing or, or is it just, is it just acquiring to live? I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out is like, is it sentient in terms of it's got thoughts and awareness or to your point, is it just a survival consuming, consuming, consuming kind of thing? I kind of like the idea of it just being a survival consuming, consuming kind of thing. Kind of like a virus or something. Yeah. A parasite. Right. Right. Because if it's, if it's sentient and it knows it's like, Hey, those bullies are jerks. I'm going to eat them. You know, it's like, is it intentional and in, in who it eats? Cause that feels a little, it feels both more confusing and less exciting to me. <laughs> I think it was indiscriminate in terms of food eats because it was trying to eat Catherine and it was trying to eat Evan and, you know, it was going after everything. So I think it might be indiscriminate, but I'm just trying to figure out, is it? No, because <laughs> as I <laughs> as I think out loud here. Do it. Because if it was sentient, oh, shoot, are worms sentient? Uh, they have three brains. I believe. Because you think about worms, you cut them in half, and then they're like, ooh, separate worms. Um, because the monster blood was separated into two different containers. Andy took half, Evan took half, and theirs individually were growing and consuming. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's like, would that then be one turned into two, like a worm, and yet they're still sentient, but they don't care what they're eating. They're just like, nom, 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 I must eat. I like the idea of that, but I also don't know how aware worms are of anything, right? Like I've, <laughs> I, I've never spoken to one. The only, <laughs> the only. I just like, thought of the labyrinth. Oh, <laughs> come inside, have a cup of tea, meet the missus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best I've got is like Earthworm Jim, and he had a great personality. So I don't know. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess I would consider it a creature, but to be a creature, then it would kind of need to be semi-sentient, right? Yeah, I guess so. Because in the airplane episode, it seemed a little more sentient, right? Mm -hmm. It was aware and looking for motion and consuming and coming after them and kind of strategizing. But in the first one, I think it was just more like, num, 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 feed me cookies. (laughs) Right. It it gained awareness uh, when it learned to fly. (laughs) Or maybe the more living beings that oh. it consumes, the more awareness it consumes. So maybe it, it's kind of like rogue. Yeah. It's like absorbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Huh. We're going to have to see. Well, when we read more of the monster bloods, we'll mm-hmm. see. What does it evolve as? Because in the book... The first book, it didn't really seem to be that sentient, right? Because mm-hmm. it also seemed to be controlled by Sarabeth a bit. Right. That that confused me a little bit. Yeah, it was like under her spell. But in the TV episodes, especially part two, I mean, there's no Sarabeth there to control it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. 
Nor do I. You know what I find interesting? When it eats things, those things don't get possessed or grow. They just get consumed. But when things consume it, they grow and become like monster-sized versions of themselves. Yeah, that that is true. Because Trigger ate it and the ant ate it and it got huge. And then for them to just be able to reappear once the once the monster blood is destroyed, you know, where are they in that time? Are they in purgatory? Are they inside the ooze? How are they still alive? There's too many questions. Yeah, because you don't see them floating around in it. Like it's mm-hmm. pretty like jello-y, blobby, neon glowing, and there's nothing that seems to like you think it'd be like those jello that have fruit inside <laughs> that you could see those dessert dishes. <laughs> like yeah. there's something floating in there in its form. But it yeah. just doesn't seem you don't see it at all. And then suddenly that disappears and they're like, Oh, I'm back. Like the guy that was happy and found his computer. That's what he's worried about. He's not stressed. I was just eaten. He's like, oh, my computer. And it saved. Like, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> Maybe he just, once monster blood consumes you, you're transported to like a mirror dimension of some sort. And and uh, he didn't even realize that he had been consumed by a monster. But, but they asked the bully kid, what was oh, it yeah. like? And he said it was like being inside of a big nose. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a 90s thing to say. <laughs> so you're like in frozen and snot, but I don't know. <laughs> it's not very appetizing. <laughs> alternate alternate so. title for this episode, frozen and snot. <laughs> I'm down with it. Frozen yeah. and snot. Frozen and snot. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the, the, the wiki the monster blood creature has its own wiki. And I love the fact that under general uh, information, the status is alive and the alignment is evil. <laughs> I love that they put that there. <laughs> status is alive, alignment, evil. Yes. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think, I think the journey will be in the, the sequels for sure. But let's get philosophical. Why is it evil? I don't think it is. It's just, it's just consuming to stay alive. Right. It's for the same reason that, it, like you said earlier, a virus is not evil. Neither is monster yeah. blood. The humans are kind of a virus and we're not evil. Well, well that's some of us are. <laughs> but it's just doing its thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's it's growing and it's consuming to continue the growing, which sounds like anything else that's alive. So... I don't know. You're right. I don't know if I'd call it evil. It's not like it's like, ooh, must eat little children and dogs, and I will not eat Mm -hmm. evil witches. Like, it ain't the witch, too, so. (laughs) It's true. It's true. All right, so whoever is doing the editing on the uh, goosebumps.fandom.com with your monster (laughs) blood wiki, write in and let us know why you think the blood is evil. Maybe it's neutral. Affiliation alignment Uh. is neutral. (laughs) Alignment Gryffindor. So <laughs> independent. <laughs> independent. <laughs> exactly. Cause I mean, it really isn't like it was just chilling in its can, right? They're mm-hmm. the ones that opened it. And it's like, oh, time to grow. Woo. And it just did its thing. Yep. Yeah. So for just a minute, I want to talk about the book cover for this, uh, particularly the 1992 cover. Because the 2008 cover is not good. 
this is one of uh, Tim Jacobus's covers, and it it just it it sets you up so well for what you're about to get into, even if that particular scene never happens in the book. Although I suppose it kind of happens in the TV episode. It does, and it's a callback to that. I like the callback because it does come down the stairs, and they're having to scoop it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never caught that until just now. I'm like, wait, that did happen in the episode. And in, yeah, in, you're right. In the more monster blood episode, whenever the guy, the dude in the bathroom disappears, his glasses are left covered in ooze on the floor, which is also an, an homage to the cover, I think. Oh, look at you finding all the little Easter egg nods. I love it. Yeah, there weren't a lot, but I found both of them, I think. (laughs) Yeah, this specifically was not in the book. But Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point, the ooze is all over the house. You know, whether it's coming in the front door trying to eat Catherine or (laughs) going uh, going out through the room. I I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that you found those nods. That's awesome. I didn't catch that. (laughs) So that is the one thing I will say with Catherine. I did find it a fun little, a sweet little cleanup for her when she got her hearing back once Sarah Beth was gotten rid of. I was like, oh, that's cute. Look, they let her hear again. Yeah. I did like the scene. I will say this in the episode when she walks into Sarah Beth doing all her witchcraft in the room and it's just like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, she's like cool leather jacket, torn jeans, just like getting down. I'm like, you make witchcraft look kind of cool. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> if that's a thing. She's the fifth member of the craft. I mean, light as a feather. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't the book, wasn't Aunt Catherine also a witch before she met Sarabeth? Weren't I, they witches together? I think so, yeah. Because in the TV episode, they make it seem like Aunt Catherine wasn't a witch, and then she stumbled upon Sarah Beth doing witchcraft, and then it went from there, and she was Sarah Beth's slave. Right. I was like, I thought in the book they both were. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they both were witches together, but then Sarah Beth got evil and took over. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah. I do like their little love story they tried to give uh, Evan on the airplane with the cute little blonde. Call right. me if you need some friends. I know what it's like being new. I'm like, girl, mm. props to you. You shot your shot and he's fu- he's feeling it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I was feeling it. I was like. <laughs> that was Man. Little romance, or yeah. else given. Actually, since that was the TV episode, he wasn't kidding. It seemed like, though, they were giving Andy. And Evan, a little bit of kind of a romance vibe in the book. Yeah, it did. Uh, and I, I believe Andy comes back in later books. So we'll see if they follow through with that. Ooh, well, they better not follow through too much. They're only 12. Well, maybe they will be <laughs> 13 in the next one. <laughs> Whoa. And we all know what happens at 13. No, tell me. Oh. Holding hands. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> no, this is a family show, Gary. Supervised trips to the mall. <laughs> PG thirteen. Real <laughs> little kiss on the cheek. That's uh, right. Whew. How do you feel about the casting of Aunt Catherine? I thought she was creepy as hell. So I think <laughs> they did well. <laughs> yeah, they did very good. I think pretty much everybody in this episode was decent. Like, and and most Ooh. of them are actors and things since. So. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely one of the better uh, cast episodes. 
Yeah, I wish they kept the bullies because I felt that was a really important storyline for the, the book in terms of the TV episode. But, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Standalone, if I hadn't read the book beforehand, it's fine. And especially for like 11, 12-year-olds, I'm sure it's a fun, not too heavy episode. Yeah. And maybe that's why they took it out. Maybe they didn't want to show bullying mm-hmm. like that on TV at that point in time. Although I feel like bullying was displayed a lot during that time on TV, but um, maybe they didn't want to go that route. They wanted to keep it light. Mm -hmm. But I do think in terms of book to book, or I'm sorry, book to TV episode, just episode one, since that was, you know, based off of the book, book is way better. But if we're talking all three, the plain episode was pretty fun. (laughs) I think I still like the book better because of how real it got. Right. With the bullying and stuff like that. But it yeah. held its own better. It stood up to it better. What what you said about the fact that the monster is not the monster so much as real life is the monster actually kind of makes me like the book a little bit more than I did initially. And, uh, you know, who knows if that was his intention or not. But I think that's a, a really fun takeaway. So thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for pointing out the Easter eggs in the cover um, yeah. being placed in the episodes. Yeah, and and I like the way you put that. The monster's not the monster. The bullies are the monster. The um, being thrown into the unknown parents that are just like, sorry, we got a job. Go stay with an aunt you barely know. Go basically stay with the stranger. Mm-hmm. And your comfort character, his dog, is now being thrown out of the house and he's infected by something. Like Those are the terror. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that are actually scary. The monster of the ooze, the monster blood, like that's actually the comedic relief. <laughs> right. <laughs> and don't forget that the, the U.S. economy is also a monster in this because that store is there yeah. and then it's gone. I think it was gone because it sold the monster blood. That's been its whole thing all along. It wanted to get rid of the monster blood. Then they didn't want to be held accountable for what happened when the monster blood ate the whole town. Because the guy knew. The old shopkeeper's like, I know what's happening here. I can see what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to be eaten by that thing. I'm getting out of Dodge. I'm going to Puerto Rico. I don't think monster blood can swim. Mm. We got this. Oh, man, that's the fifth book. (laughs) Mr. Wagner's <laughs> just chilling on a beach. Monster uh, just comes up. up. Yep. Hey, RL, I got ideas. We got so many ideas. Monster <laughs> Blood goes to space. <laughs> what happens if Monster Blood comes up against a black hole? <gasps> they both consume and consume and consume. It's a green hole. It's a green hole. Mm. Oh. That sounds like a golf term. <laughs> I don't do golf, Gary. Oh, do we have any last thoughts about Monster Blood? I think that will conclude our thoughts on, well, obviously it's going to conclude our thoughts on the episodes because there are no more, but we got three more books to talk about. So uh, we'll definitely, you know, save some thoughts for later. We'll definitely circle back to the blood that is of the monsters. Variety? (laughs) Monster varietal. (laughs) I get that magazine. (laughs) Me too. All right, everybody. 
Thanks to everyone for tuning in to Listeners Beware, a podcast about all things Goosebumps. Are you looking for more spooky podcast content? Check out Three Haunted Podcast, where Ashley and friends talk about all things that give you goosebumps. And if you want to hear more from me that's not so spooky but still nostalgic, check out Wax Nostalgic Network wherever podcasts and YouTube videos are available. What's the next book? The next book. Oh, guess what? Guess what? We talked about the acting in this one. This next episode has a very famous actor in it. But uh, we are going to be diving into Say Cheese and Die. Ooh, I'm on pins and needles. I can barely wait. (laughs) (laughs) Same. I'm actually really excited about this one. I really like this one too, (laughs) especially because I grew up with like photography and doing photography. So super excited to talk about it in two weeks. Until then, I'm Ashley. And I'm Gary. Until next time. He's just really left on his own. Mm -hmm. Just hanging out with his creepy aunt cat. Creepy aunt's cat. Catherine, Catherine, cat. her name is Catherine. So creepy at cat and her evil cat. Um, yeah. No, I think, uh, well, I think that, well, that will put a pin in. Hold on. <laughs> I think that, well, I think, well, what? A double sized cocker spaniel would be okay. Whereas gigantic yeah. <laughs> in, in, in the episode, double sized border collie takes himself to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> They're like Clifford the Big Red Dog. Right. He goes and lives with Emily and Elizabeth for a while. <laughs> At least his thyroid's good. Um. <laughs> I mean, there's four uh, numerically named Monster Blood books, and then there's even more beyond that. Uh, yeah, how many? There's like Monster Blood 7 and all sorts of stuff, right? <laughs> Monster Blood takes Manhattan. <laughs> Jason took it in his pocket. Oh, man. <laughs>